Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Glad to be back. We've got a lot to talk about. Of course, you know, last Wednesday, free agency opened. The the legal tampering period opened, uh, you know, ten days ago, uh, and the Bears have made a lot of moves. They've they've lost a few players, mostly fringe players uh, that have signed with with other teams. And we'll go through some of the players that we lost. We're going to go through all of the players that have signed, not only not only free agents from other teams uh, like like Quinn and like the new tackle uh, guard that we just got from Seattle today, but also the free agents that were our own guys that we have re-signed. And, uh, and then later on in the show, our history segment is going to be on the one, the only, the greatest football player ever to wear the wishbone C in the orange and blue. And that of course is none other than Walter Payton. So Aaron, a lot of, uh, you know, the, the landscape in, in Chicago has certainly changed over the last two weeks and your, uh, your job has been affected by it. My job up in Wisconsin hasn't been affected by it other than customers aren't coming in the door in droves like they were at the beginning of the month. Uh, but, uh, before we get started is this is just a little, you know, PSA just to say, folks, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to our show, please take all the precautions necessary and be safe out there. Uh, you just don't know who you could possibly come in contact with that is a carrier, even if they're not showing any symptoms. So please, uh, for the, for the, for the for the good of everybody, make sure you're practicing these safe, healthy initiatives that we're talking about with, with social distancing and staying at home unless it's absolutely necessary. So please take this serious. Uh, there's been a lot of young, young people that said, eh, it'll never happen to me that are now not with us any longer. So please for, for, for whatever you do for yourself or for your family or for your kids or for your parents or your loved ones, please stay safe and stay at home as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you said it perfectly. Um, and one thing I will say that, uh, you know, is 
a silver lining to this to some degree. I don't know if I want to call it a silver lining, but something that's been a buoy, I would say, for us football fans has been that the NFL has been able to be business as usual, um, which, you know, keeps us with something to talk about, obviously, um, on uh, Bears Twitter, which has been, you know, at uh, in peak form, whether that's good or bad, <laughs> it remains to, up to you to decide. Um, but uh, it's definitely been very active. Uh, and uh, sports radio and everything has definitely kept uh, us, I think, you know, distracted in a good way. And, uh, you know, we're we're in a, an, an exciting offseason and we just hope that um, we can kind of get back to some more normalcy and perhaps, you know, head to a time when we can look forward to the, you know, baseball starting and, and basketball resuming in whatever fashion or hockey. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, ultimately culminating with the NFL um, continuing uh, as far as that goes. So a um, lot of a lot of stuff to, you know, to talk about uh, the Bears, um, you know, have been very active. The, the first day of things was not very active for Bears fans. And then I think a lot of um, consternation came about with their first move, which was, of course, signing uh, Jimmy Graham um, to at the time, you know, people were kind of going uh, bananas over the fact that they signed him to a two year, $16 million contract with $9 million guaranteed. And I think the main issue with the signing was probably the timing, because we were hoping to start off the, the the beginning of free agency with a bang and really nothing happened and so much anticipation and then at the end of the day i think it was like 10 o'clock at night you see that okay we didn't get austin hooper uh who many bear fans were, were wanting and um you know uh, sort of imagining that they would possibly get and you know, it looked like, you know, the quarterback market was going to take some more time to take shape. And then here you go. You've got Jimmy Graham, who Packer fans didn't like, you know, and that makes it even worse because you got the Packer fans uh, giving us crap on Twitter and saying, ha ha, you got Jimmy Graham. He was a bum for us. Um, now he's going to be a bum for you. So, you know, it was uh, it was a bit of an underwhelming start uh, to to things. Um, personally, I, at the moment that signing happened, I kind of just didn't really want to ride the wave of negativity. I was feeling like, you know what, I'm not going to jump on that train. And I felt like, yeah, we didn't get Hooper, but he, he ended up getting a lot of money and for four years, a lot of guaranteed money. And I don't know if that was going to be that's going to be something the Browns feel that great about. And so I felt like, all right, fine. You know, Jimmy Graham, he's he, he, he plays sucks 16 games. He is still, you know, a big target. He's a professional tight end. And that's something the Bears are lacking in, in is a professional, healthy, you know, tight end. And so, yes, they got one. And then at the time I said, listen, I'll bet you what this deal is. It's going to be about $6 million against the cap for 2020. It's going to be $3 million in a bonus. And then the second year is basically going to be like an option. And that's pretty much exactly how it turned out. So I don't know. What did you think of Jimmy, Jimmy Graham? Well, first of all, I I agree with your assessment. Um, You know, the, the Hooper deal, um, you know, we, we, everybody who is paying attention to the Bears cap space knows that that was not going to happen. Um, 
Eric Ebron is the other guy that people were talking about. And, you know, he has a hard time catching the ball. And staying healthy. You know, you know Jimmy Graham catches the ball. He's athletic. Uh, people were bitching and moaning earlier when some guy by the name of Greg Olson didn't get any attention from the Bears. And then they're bitching about Jimmy Graham being signed, and Graham is taller than Olson. Graham is two years younger than Jimmy Olson. Um, and he's he is a better tight end than any Bears tight ends that were currently on the roster at the time. So you know what? It's uh, it's a shot. Uh, if he has, you know, if he has a, a one good year for the Bears, like Burton had when he first came in 18 before injuries, you know, wasted his year last year. Uh, is it a bad signing? No, not at all. Yeah, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. People were freaking out, and I just thought it was kind of the timing. I think he could have a good season, and people were like, well, if Aaron Rodgers can't get anything out of him, and if you look at the Packers, they haven't been able to get a tight end going since Jermichael Finley. Like, they're not exactly tight end university up there. You know, that Rodgers has really never been a guy that clicked great with tight ends. Favre did. But Rodgers has really never been that guy. I don't know why. I'm not sure whatever. But they've been searching for a tight end forever, which is why they signed Jimmy Graham. And a lot of people gave them crap about signing Jimmy Graham when they did because he had sort of an underwhelming time in Seattle. You hit the nail on the head with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers does not, period, does not utilize the tight end. Right. He never has in, in his entire career, dating all the way back to 2008 when he took over the reins from Brett Favre uh, it, as a, the Green Bay Signer caller. He never has, never has, never has. So stop bitching about it. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, Jim, Jimmy Graham might come in and he might catch 40 passes for right. 450 yards and five touchdowns. And right. if he does that, he's got better statistics than – all of the tight ends combined right. that the, that played the, it, it, as a tight end for the Bears in 2019. Right. Uh, if Trey Burton comes back, there's rumors. Uh, rumors have been kind of coming out today that that Burton might be on the trade block. Uh, doesn't make sense for the Bears to cut him uh, because of the the cap hit that they would uh, that they would have to to uh, swallow. So either he's traded or he's going to be on the team for, for next year. And if he's healthy, you know, Graham and then Demetrius Harris and, and Trey Burton is not exactly a bad combination. Right. And they, you know, they're going to, they brought back JP Holtz. Um, they still have um, Horstead. They still have Dax Raymond. I mean, they've got about 11 tight ends on the roster right now. So um, they got plenty of bodies, um, you know. And at the, whether you want to admit it or not, Bears fans would have been – there would have been factions of Bears fans that were upset if they had signed Hooper to the big deal because there were plenty of Bears fans that were like, I don't want to pay that. He's too much money. He wasn't really that good. And he was. Right. Right. And I don't he was he was too much fun. world beater in in Cleveland. I mean, uh, you know, it's Cleveland. 
Right. Exactly. So you know, Cleveland, uh, you know, uh, seemingly wins the off season every year with their with their free agent signings and their draft picks, but then they don't do anything. So yeah, I, I don't care. At the end of the day, like the Jimmy Graham thing to me, everybody got in their feelings about it, but I just said, you know what? Like, I doesn't this doesn't bother me that much. But it did feel like a little bit of a of a reach, I guess. But there wasn't that much of a there weren't that many tight ends out there. Like there just weren't, and you know, and there were as many uh, detractors of Ebron, if not more so than any other person out there. I just think it was a surprise um, that uh, that Jimmy Graham got signed, and and again, the time. No, nobody so saw. Yeah, no, nobody saw Jimmy Graham on on the Bears' radar, and you know, I didn't, you didn't, you know, um, I don't think anybody in in Bears Twitterverse saw that coming so of course it's a shock and if everybody's going to throw in their their general manager hat on and and say it was a bad move well i guess we'll see what happens if there is a season uh, exactly how smart pace was or maybe he wasn't so smart before the uh, uh season the uh, uh free agent season started the bears did sign a bunch of their own players, uh, starting with Danny Trevathan. Uh, they, they signed Devante Bond. Uh, was, he was re-signed back in February. Isaiah Irving was re-signed last, last week. Roy Robertson-Harris was re-signed March 13th. Deion Bush was re-signed last week. Brent Urban, the reserve tight end or defensive end, was re-signed. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, the safety, who a lot of people like. He was resigned. They resigned their long snapper Patrick Scales. Rashad Rashad Coward was resigned, and you know Rashad Coward might be the guy that we see at guard. What are your thoughts about that? I'll explain what after I let you talk a bit. Um, I don't I don't know. I think I hope that Alex Barris gets a shot. To be honest, I, but it's weird to me that he didn't get more of a shot last year because I think Coward didn't look great. So I don't know. It's hard to say. I think part of the – I would love to know what went on behind the scenes with He Stand and Nagy because clearly it was some kind of a disconnect um, uh, because you would think that Alex Bars would have seen the field. He saw the field in the preseason. He he Stand was his coach in college. Um, he looked pretty good in the preseason. And then they went back to this – to the coward project when long went down and the coward project was was rocky um and so i but he's got obvious talent yeah it's just not in that scheme yeah to answer your question about bars i really think they were trying to stash him on the practice squad to give him another full year Mm -hmm. to recover from his injury Right. So to you know to that end, they the Bears also signed an offensive lineman uh, earlier today um, for out of Seattle. Um, he's he started all four seasons. He was with uh, with Seattle. He's played both guard and tackle. Uh, Jermaine Ifedi. Uh, they signed him to a one-year prove-it deal. There was a lot of one-year deals, not mm-hmm. not just by the Bears, but all over the league this year. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of one-year prove-it deal. Even Ha Clinton Dix. Yeah. 
who signed a one-year prove-it deal in Chicago last year, went to Dallas on a one-year proven deal. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where this guy fits in. Uh, see, there's a lot of fans in Seattle that were glad to see him go because, uh, and we talked about this before we went live, he seems to be Seattle's answer to the, the Bears fans griping about uh, Leno. Yeah. But if he can come in and be serviceable at guard, uh, and they can now concentrate on, on tackles in the draft, it's not such a bad signing. Well, I mean, either it seems to me that in football, you either have a great left tackle or you have a to left tackle that your whole entire fan base bitches about. I mean, I think every team has this scenario, you know, so you've got, you know, you've got your um, – Green Bay's and your Philadelphia's and and these uh, teams that have these stalwarts at, at tackle and then you've got the rest of the league. So again, you needed a swing tackle. Cornelius Lucas left to the Redskins, um, and so that wasn't going to be the guy. Uh, he wasn't. He's not. You know, he's not a guy that's really playing on the left at all. So he wasn't. You know, he he wasn't really a, a solution um, there. Um, you know, whatever. I don't. I'm not too worried about it. Um, I, I would say the one thing I will say about Coward is that I think he can. He hopefully will benefit from this blocking scheme change because he's a guy that I think needs to get out and get to the second level to be effective. The the times when he would struggle was where, with the zone blocking, um, and it seemed that he would also get lost a lot with the RPO stuff where he'd kind of just get caught in between or, you know, uh, he would be out of sorts, you know, or too far downfield for a screen, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and he just end up being <laughs> just whiffing because he, you know, almost was like too aggressive for the way that he stands blocking scheme would work. So hopefully, um, I still think he's got some, you know, some upside, uh, but he can't be your only solution. So hopefully between bars uh, who actually, I think Bars played tackle a little bit in the preseason. Um, you know, hopefully in general, they just have more talent on the offensive line. Last year, nobody even thought Cornelius Lucas was going to make the team. Then he makes the team. Then he plays due to injury because Massey was injured, and he gets himself another contract. So you never know. I mean, that's what I said about Ifedi is he could do the same thing. Um and a change of scenery, you know, could be exactly what what he needs. Um, and I'm sure they're paying him like a million dollars, you know. So whatever, uh, you know, you, you got to fill out your offensive line with these guys. Exactly. The last player that I didn't mention that the Bears re-signed, you already mentioned him earlier, was J.P. Holtz, uh, mm-hmm. the the tight end. So here's the Bears that will not be returning to the team this year. We already mentioned Cornelius Lucas. Nick Williams was signed by the Lions. We also mentioned Clinton Dix. Um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis was, I, I hated to see him go. I, I, I think there's a lot of promise there. Uh, Chase Daniel went to the Lions. Leonard Floyd was picked up by the Rams, I think, on a, just a one-year deal. Another another prove-it deal. And another uh, another key 
player for depth was Nick Kwiatkowski, who has, has now left to go to the Raiders. Right. Um, the Bears, there are a few guys out there yet uh, that are still free agents. Uh, Ted Larson, uh, who he's, he's that swing guy that we've been talking about. Um, but he he is what he is. He's a little bit long in the tooth. Bradley Soul, I don't think, is coming back. Uh, Aaron Lynch is not coming back, I don't think, because of the signing of Quinn. Um, and Mingo, and, too. And, think, and, think, uh, and Mingo. Because, yeah. you know, Mingo, you know, I don't think – Mingo is your um, – he's going to be your, your stud special teams linebacker. You know, right. remember I I ended up, uh, was it? He's yeah. I guess Mingo might be more of a replacement for for Kevin Pierre Lewis, but yeah. I I've seen some people say that that they could see Pagano um, using him as as a rotational outside guy too because he did that in uh, Indianapolis with him. So um, that that might be something that we see uh, as well. It could be you know he's another guy that that maybe hasn't lived up to his draft um, pick and, you know, still has some upside. So that could be something where, where um, you know, where we see that happen, where he gets in there. Um, and, and I think, you know, he could surprise just like Kevin Pierre Lewis um, and end up being, you know, end up being a guy that, uh, that, that, that looks good. When, when this season started, when free agency started you know, 10 days ago, uh, the things that Pace needed to address, tight end, edge rusher, depth at linebacker, depth in the backfield, both cornerback and safety, quarterback, offensive line. And in 10 days, he's addressed every single one of those positions. The last position, of course, that we haven't talked about is, is quarterback. And the big news today is Tyler Bray resigned with the Bears, <laughs> uh, yeah. and and there's there's a reason for that. The, the obvious reason is you can't bring anybody in to work them out. He's a safe third body to head into camp. Um, if if you draft somebody, you draft somebody, and he'll be the first one to to uh, uh, to be cut. But of course, we haven't mentioned the the biggest part of the off season to date is when the Bears ended up getting Nick Foles from, from Jacksonville for a fourth-round draft pick, um, which people were bitching about when that happened. But then, you know, some third-string quarterback on Carolina gets gets traded to Washington for a fifth-round draft pick. So I guess it's not such a bad draft after all. Uh, people were bitching about his cap hit, but it's only about $19 million for this year. Uh, and it's basically a one-year deal. They can pretty much cut him with no repercussions next year. Yeah, um, you know, going back to Bray, he's just a practice squad guy. They they changed the rules with the new CBA about the practice squad, so he can actually he actually has more eligibility now. Um, so that's that's probably what'll happen with him. Um, so I, at first I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, you know, because because I think there's still Bears fans who are hoping that they that they draft a quarterback you know um people are thinking even Jalen Hurts maybe in in the in the second round um you know it's a possibility um 
as far as Foles, I think it's it's interesting the way it unfolded, you know, because there were rumors that Teddy Bridgewater was was close to signing with the Bears, but then didn't at the last moment because he didn't want to be in a competition with with Trubisky, um, which seems weird to me that the Bears would pay Teddy Bridgewater $20 million a season and then have him be in an open competition with Mitch. But maybe that was the case. I don't know. My feeling is that Bridgewater probably just wanted to go to a situation where he was going to be the starter. And, you know, it's also a lot lower pressure, um, you know, going to play in Carolina with a new coach, uh, offensive coordinator that Bridgewater was familiar with. Um, you know, I think ultimately he just chose the Panthers. And I'm not sure if I believe that the Bears were as close to signing Bridgewater as as was reported. Um, you know, as far as the quarterback thing, I think that they're – the Bears' thought process was if Brady really goes to the Raiders, then they were going to be, I believe they were going to be all in on trying to get the get Carr in a trade. But then when that didn't happen and it wasn't necessarily clear where Brady was going, but it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to the Raiders because the Raiders moved on and signed Mariota um, as a backup who got a pretty big deal as a backup, $8 million a year. That kind of surprised me. Um, but it goes to show you that having a, you know, having a, a, a good backup like that is very important, and those guys have value. But the thing about the Foles and Trubisky deal is it really mirrors the Tannehill-Mariota situation in Tennessee, um, even more so because of the familiarity. So, you know, obviously a lot of Bears fans and, and reporters and things were drawing the parallels and the through lines of Laser and DeFlippo and, you know, these guys to Dalton and to Foles. So for a long time, it was really just kind of this idea of Dalton or Foles, or would they perhaps entertain the idea of Cam Newton? Um, you know, but the, the whole Corona COVID-19 thing kind of, I think, put the, put the brakes on a, a lot of stuff. I think if that hadn't happened, they might have been more inclined to bring Cam in and, and work him out, you know, um, and see how that went. I, I think it would have taken a lot for them to choose Cam Newton over the familiarity of Foles. Um, but we have to also see how the, the contract is going to break down. Right now, he's actually not – he's actually only $15.6 million because even – on a standard transfer that Jackson Jacksonville would pay his most of his guaranteed money. So so he was at over twenty, but they pay about six. And the thought process, and they haven't seen the numbers, but the thought process is, is they're gonna restructure it quite a bit. And there was a little bit of a leak or some hinting at that they're you know, that, that Foles could void the deal after the first season um, if he if if he plays well and, you know, possibly resign, go somewhere else, who knows. Um, but it's really not that it shouldn't be that cost prohibitive in terms of the money. Um, you know, so it's it I think what you're getting in Foles is a good scenario for everybody involved. Now, it's not necessarily what Bears fans want because I think they want a lot of Bears fans just want somebody other than Mitch to be certainly put into place. Um, I I kind of fall into that camp where I, w- I was hoping that the Bears would just get a new guy that we could feel good about. Um, but basically what this is, is it's just a s- much stronger backup plan. 
I mean, Chase Daniel was never a guy that they could that they really felt like was going to be someone who could step in and win games for them, even though he did that. Um, Foles is a guy that has been in this scenario multiple times. He is he's one at the highest level. Um, my drawbacks on Foles would be that he's never played a complete season anywhere he's been. He's never played 16 games. He's never played more than 11 games in any one season uh, as a, in a regular season. So that's a, that's a drawback to me. But other than that, I feel like he's going to win the job. I mean, I just he, – he right now is actually more familiar with this new coaching staff than Mitch is, uh, truthfully. So I think he – you know, a lot of people are saying Mitch is going to have the leg up, but I don't know if that's the case because – he already knows Laser. He already knows the Flippo. He already knows Nagy. He already knows Castillo, you know, who's not really his direct coach. But Mitch really only knows Nagy and and um, the quarterback coach were gone. So um, I think it's definitely a real competition. And, you know, my feeling is that Foles will probably win the job depending on how the schedule shakes out. Because this is what I think is that if they end up in a tough division game right out of the gate and it's close, then Foles is going to get the start because I don't think they can have a repeat of what happened last season that, you know, where, where Mitch comes out against the Packers, you know, or I mean, you know, in a division game that really matters and lays an egg like that um, because he just won't recover. I mean, we know the story with the backup quarterback being the most popular guy in Chicago. That's a song as old as time. And if, you know, if this plays out with the amount of negative negativity that's already there with Mitch and he, I mean, you know, they may want to give him a two or three game leash. I don't think the fan base is going to give him a one drive leash. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so. uh, well, well, I guess we'll find out that the historically over the last several seasons, the schedule is announced the Thursday before the beginning of the draft. So if if that's the case, we're looking at April 16th. So that you know that's not too far away. We're talking right. you know three weeks from right. from now right. uh, that we'll see that see that schedule come out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be any London games scheduled or any Mexico games scheduled um, because baseball has pulled back all of those international games. With the right. exception of the Cubs-Cardinals two-game series in London in June, uh, but that's in serious jeopardy. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens there. Um, I'd love to see the Bears open at home, um, but it, there's a part of me that says I don't want them to open at home because, yeah. the, the you know, like you said, one one bad drive and, you know, the, 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 the Chicago fans are just going to be ruthless if especially if you know Trubisky underthrows or overthrows a, a you know a target, mm-hmm. um, I mean, if, if they, they go they go three and out, half they gave him one half last year. <laughs> I mean, like, and that was that was all the hope and and you know everything, and we and, and the fans gave him one half. So oh, yeah, they were they were booed off the field at halftime. You and I were yeah. there. Yeah. It was uh, yeah, it was it was. Uh, yeah, just a disappointing year right from the very first, uh, the very first series. Mm-hmm. It was uh, just a, a a bad, bad year for for Trubisky and, and the entire offensive line and 
you know, Burton was a no-show. Um, right. Taylor Gabriel was a no-show with the exception of his game against the, the Redskins. Uh, then he promptly went out at the end of the game with a concussion. He came back for right. a little bit and went out with another concussion. He was done for the year. And now he's gone. Um, you know, Anthony Miller. Anthony, that's probably my biggest regret is Anthony Miller playing and yeah. getting hurt on, on a meaningless game yeah. in Minnesota on, on the last weekend of the season yeah, because he he was he was lost. Yeah. He was he was lost earlier in the year. He was he he was doing dumb things. He was running bad routes. Uh, you know, he he caused a penalty again, you know, that that started the demise in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with his taunting penalty on a touchdown, he didn't even score. Right. And then the kick right after that, you know, he misplayed a kickoff and the guy went right around him and downfield for a 40 yard return. And that's that, you know, those two plays right there started to turn the entire tide of that game. And they ended up, you know, Oakland figured out the bears offense and got him exhausted. And they ended up going downfield and, you know, another dumb ass penalty on a on a kick on a punt, uh, which gives them the ball back, and they end up going down and scoring the winning points. Yeah. And you know, you take that game, and you take the San Diego game, and you turn those two games around, and the Bears are in the playoffs last year, as bad as they were. Right. Well, so, the one thing I will say, you know, to get back to Foles is, I think once the initial sort of shock of it wore off you know and and it kind of knew it was coming because lewis riddick was talking about it earlier in the day on twitter and lewis is pretty tied into Nagy, and you know um lewis was pretty high on uh foals and and actually i heard him on waddle and sylvie and it kind of turned me around because at first i was pretty aggravated with the foals thing i was just like this just feels like such a bears nothing move like it's just very lateral um but the more I listened to, to Riddick and then I started watching some more of tape on Foles and, and you know, um, especially if you – there's a good video people should watch of him uh, when he was mic'd up in the Super Bowl. Um, and he's just, he's just confident, you know, cool, great leader. Um, you know, I just – I think he's going to be a good addition to this team. And my, my hope is that he wins the job because – Here's the thing is that nobody has tape on Nick Foles playing for the Bears. And nobody knows what exactly the offense that Laser, DeFlippo, and Nagy are going to come up with exactly. And that's going to be a huge advantage. Just like it was in 2018, nobody had tape on Mitch and the Bears and Nagy. So they were able to surprise a lot of people. So I think if Foles gets in there... And Nagy and Laser and DeFlippo are all on the same page, and they're getting creative. I mean, we're going to see a lot of what we saw in 2018, but the thing is, Foles is a real quarterback that has a deep ball who can test a defense, and the defense will have to respect them. And then what that does is that opens up the run game, because when you have a defense that respects the quarterback's ability to throw the ball, well, then they can't load up and, and go eight in the box and do the things that throw Mitch off, which is basically that, you know, they pretend to rush and that he doesn't know what's going on. He bails out of the pocket. I mean, these are things that Foles is not going to do. I mean, you could say what you want about Foles, but like I said, he's done it on the biggest stage and he's a professional quarterback. 
And and with this defense, especially with the acquisition that we haven't gotten to yet, they are going to be a fantastic defense again. And so we don't need Foles to go out there and be Patrick Mahomes. We just need him to be a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and the offense just has to get to the point where they can score 24, 25 points a game, and the Bears are going to be absolutely fine. And the reason they're going to be fine is I think the most exciting acquisition is Robert Quinn, uh, who was a big splash acquisition, and people are downplaying it for whatever reason. It's just because Bears are in negative headspace right now, Bears fans. But to, to get rid of Floyd, who was just a total bust in my mind, a lot of people liked Floyd, but I never saw what he did on the field. All, all I ever saw was him against the Packers and him making stupid penalties, body slamming people to the ground. To get rid of him and add one of the best pass rushers in the league to be opposite Khalil Mack is enormous. So I was super excited about that. Absolutely. One one final note on Foles. Uh, you know, he played the he's played the the vast majority of his career parts of five seasons with Philadelphia. Uh, of those five seasons, he has started 32 games. So two full seasons worth of starts. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: Would you be happy with a with a with a 11 and five season? Yeah, absolutely. Would you be happy with 40 4,300 yards? Yeah. Would you be Would you be happy with 29 touchdowns? Yep. Okay. Would you be happy with only 11 interceptions? Absolutely. With a QB rating of 93.2. Yes, sir. Sign that's me up. Nick, that's Nick Foles. Yep. Okay, Nick Foles. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read his line on, and this is at ProFootballReference.com. 32 games started, 21 in 11 is his record. 63% completion percentage, 8,703 yards, 58 touchdowns, uh, and a QB rating of 93.2. Uh, and I missed his interceptions, 23, only 23 interceptions. And that's his Philly numbers, basically? That's just his Philly yeah. numbers. Right. Which is somewhat, so, it's a somewhat skewed a little bit by, those, by that Chip Kelly, um, you know, sort of, miraculous season his first one where he went you know 27 touchdowns and two interceptions but that happened i mean you know he did that um so like i said i just think i just think he's he's gonna be fine and i think they're gonna give mitch a little bit of a shot but what you what you probably saw happen is laser and deflippo who have no Ties to Mitch, who have no uh, allegiance to Mitch, sat down with Nagy and they watched the film and they just, you know, you just, it's, you see it, you see all the times that there are open receivers that Mitch just doesn't see. You see all the times that there's opportunities for Mitch to step up into the pocket and make a play and he just doesn't do it. Um, you see, there's so many times where he makes the wrong a call in the RPO or doesn't adjust the protection and puts himself in, a, in the offensive line in a bad position. And, you know, I'm sure they just said to Pace, like, listen, we can put all our eggs in this guy's basket and and we're probably all going to be on the street next year, which I don't necessarily believe if, if they're really all going to get fired like that. But, you know, or we can get 
basically the best insurance policy we can pretty much come up with, which is a guy we know can do it and that they're all very comfortable with and who's not necessarily going to come in and be uh, an ego because he's done that before. He's come into a situation. He doesn't. He has no ego. Guys love him. And somebody put a clip up the other day of uh, the Chiefs when when Foles was on the Chiefs, and it's it's what after Alex Smith got hurt, and you see guys on the sideline and they're like, oh, it's all good. We got Nick. We got Big Nick. Big Nick's coming in. No big deal. We got Big Nick. You know. And I mean, guys just want to they 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 want to play for this guy. You know, he is he's a he's a leader. Um, so I think Mitch is going to have a tough time. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's possible he's going to rise to the occasion, but I you, don't know. Earlier in the show, you talked a little bit about uh, Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky versus the scenario with Marietta and Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another scenario that I read earlier today um, while I was enjoying a day off uh, and staying away from society Right. Was um, was Kansas City with with Mahomes' first year? Mm. Okay, because they 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 went after the guy. They they had Alex Smith. He'd been there for years, but they went after their franchise guy that they thought they were going to get with Mahomes. Turned out to be the uh, best quarterback selection in the 2017 draft, uh, and he's studied underneath Smith for the entire year, played a little bit at the end of the season. And then they, you know, Alex Smith went on his way and Mahomes started in 18 and the rest is history. Uh, And they're comparing that uh, to, uh, to Foles for this year, whether or not, Trubisky sits and learns from him for a year and becomes the guy we thought he was going to be when we drafted him second overall, or if they're going to go after another quarterback with another draft choice, whether it's in this draft or the draft in, in 2021. So interesting comparisons on two very interesting cases that both did well for, for those teams. Well, if I was Mitch, I'd certainly talk to Mariota, and they have the same agent, um, and and you know, see how he. I I would talk to Mariota and say, how did you deal with this, you know, because it certainly I'm sure wasn't easy, um, but he did it well, and he got himself a nice contract, um, and that's honestly I think for Mitch personally, that's what he needs to be thinking about. Obviously, he wants to win the job. But realistically, he needs to figure out how to stay in the league. Um, and I think he will. But he, you know, uh, Mariota was certainly up and down. Mariota was certainly had his fair share of detractors and people in Tennessee that wanted him gone. Uh, but for him to get a $8 million a year contract with the Raiders, you know, and who knows, that could be a same similar situation where Carr isn't doing it and Mariota comes in and then maybe Carr gets traded in the middle of the season if there's an injury. You never know. Um, but that's what I would be trying to think about if I was Mitch, if, you know, if it feels like he's not going to get the get the big start. And then, you know, Mitch, Mitch, I think, can be a very good backup because there's a good chance Foles is not going to play 16 games. Um, you know, there's a good chance. I mean, even Mitch hasn't played 16 games in any of his seasons. 
um, through no fault of his own in his first, but he's been hurt. So, um, but but yeah, overall, I think the Bears are a better team with Nick Foles. It's kind of like the Jimmy Graham thing. Did they get better? Yes, they got better. The quarterback position is now better for the Bears. Is it like, oh my goodness, we got Tom Brady? No, it's not. But they 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 improved that position. It was a position of need. Box checked, you know, and let's move on. Now, again, to go back to the, the, the big other position of need, which is that last year the defense, as good as they were, their pass rush wasn't great. Uh, you did have Nick Williams and his six sacks depart, but um, they added a great player in, in Robert Quinn. He's one of the best pass rushers in football. So very if you If you take Williams six and Floyd's three and replace those two guys with 11 and a half sacks, with Quinn, I, that front seven is just going to be yeah. tremendous yep. if if we have a season. So uh, I, I'm not I'm not worried as as long as they stay healthy. If if Akeem Hicks comes back healthy, mm. um, I'm sure he'll end up playing like like JJ Watt does from now on with a with that uh, brace on his elbow. Right. Uh, that that'll probably something he'll have to wear the entire time. You mentioned something about, you know, Mitch Trubisky being a, a uh, he could work himself into a good serviceable backup quarterback mm-hmm. for the rest of his career. Um, it, and another thing that, that Bears Twitter has been ablaze about because we didn't sign uh, Bridgewater, we didn't go after Cam Newton, and of course there were some absolute morons out there saying, Let's just face it, the Bears will never have a black quarterback. In 1977, the Bears drafted out of Southern Cal a quarterback by the name of Vince Evans. Right. Okay. Vince Evans played, he started all 16 games in 1981. So he didn't have any starts in 77 or 78. He actually returned kickoffs for the Bears as a rookie because he was fast and agile and very mobile. Uh, He finally started three games in 79. He started 10 games in 1980. In 1980, he had a perfect passer rating against the Green Bay Packers in Chicago when he was the quarterback for the most lopsided victory in the history of the franchise uh, in the the Green Bay Packer rivalry when they destroyed the Packers 61 to seven. And yours truly happened to be at that game. But he fell out of, uh, you know, he, he he fell out of of good graces with the Bears. In in '82, he didn't start any games. In '83, he started the first three games, which was Jim McMahon's rookie year. Then they went on strike, and they started McMahon, and the rest is history there. Right. So he moved out to the Raiders. Vince Evans started in 1977. You know when his career ended? 1995. Wow. That's wild. 19 years. (laughs) That's amazing. He played 19 years in the league as a good, serviceable backup quarterback. Well, you look at Chase Daniel, and Chase Daniel just got another contract. The guy's made $50 million playing, you know, barely playing. So, I mean. Good work if you can get it. Absolutely. So, Vince Evans started. After he left the Bears, he started seven games. 
<laughs> wow. He started seven games. So yeah. that encompassed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years with the uh, with the Raiders. So, um, yeah, you can make a decent living as a backup quarterback in this league if you if you know what you're doing and and can pose great with a clipboard right, and a baseball I, hat. I could I could have talked myself into Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I could have. I don't love him. I I never. I don't necessarily see what everybody sees. Um, I got so excited about with the Saints. I think he played fine. Um, I don't personally think he's going to have a, a great career with the Panthers. I mean, they already signed this kid, PJ Walker, that everybody's excited about out of the XFL. Um, I like the know. kid. I was hoping the Bears would take a flyer on him because they didn't have yeah. a, a third quarterback signed. But, uh, yeah, I would have uh, liked or to the, see the quarterback out of St. Louis. I can't yeah, remember t- his name t- off the top. Taymu, t- t- uh, I can't remember his last name. Something, it's another one of the Tunga Vailoa type of names. But Taymu is his first name. But yeah, I would have the Chiefs. The Chiefs of all teams, like they need a quarterback. Got Taymu, um, out of Seattle or uh, St. Louis uh, XFL. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I think they're gonna, you know, they're do they're gonna do their best to have a competition. I think um, it's they're gonna we're gonna see them play in the preseason, so that'll be interesting. And um, you know, the, if there is a preseason, <laughs> I mean, they got they'll figure it out. They're gotta have something. I mean, you know, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a long way away. We hope and pray and knock wood that that uh, you know we're not still talking about this thing with. Um, you know, moving into uh, July, you know, I mean, when training camp's supposed to start. So, um, but yeah, we overall, can we can uh, only hope that I for think sure. Pace filled some holes. Um, you know, he, he certainly um, he certainly has made a lot of his own holes because his first round picks have, have really been not good. Um, and that's you know, that's what you get when you when you don't have first round picks deliver. You know, it, you, you have a Kevin White who doesn't make it. You have a. Uh, Leonard Floyd, who doesn't make it. You have, you know, Mitch, who isn't look like he's going to make it. Um, and so, you know, you got to replace these guys. I think, he, you know, and he did it. Um, I think you're going to see that the cap is going to be fine. Uh, you know, they already restructured Cody. Um, they're they're going to extend and restructure Allen Robinson. I think the Foles deal is going to be nicely restructured and isn't going to kill us. Uh, and then the cap, you know, the cap's going to go up a lot in 2021. I'll tell you what, they, these, the players union should be thanking their lucky stars that the 51% got that deal done the way this COVID-19 thing is going, because it's a whole reset of everything right now. Um, you know, so they, 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 they're lucky they got that deal signed because everything's going to change, you know, or could change with the economy and, and everything being what it is, you know, in terms of the money. So it's a good thing they got it, got it done. Um, you wouldn't want to be in a labor stoppage with all this stuff going on right now. So absolutely. I think, I think the bears, uh, there's no reason based on right now, which is obviously entirely too early, but based on who they've got coming back, I'd like to see, you know, in the draft, I'd like to see them draft offensive line, tight end and safety. Um, and, you know, I like to see them take some kind of a quarterback um, and then 
you know, they should be. I think even if it's Foles or if it's Mitch, I still think this team is a, is at least a 10-win team. Um, you know, now we got to have now we got Tom Brady coming to town again, which is kind of funny, but um, you know that should be interesting. Yeah, the Bears play Tampa in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. So it's for those of uh, for our listeners that don't know what our schedule is, this is our home opponents for for 2020. Assuming all 16 games are going to get played, of course they have the three division opponents with Detroit, Minnesota, and Green Bay. Uh, they play the NFC South this year. So they have the Saints and Tampa in town. Uh, they have the AFC South. So they have Houston and the Colts in town. And then the uh, the NFC team that finished in the same spot in the NFC East that the their Bears did in the North is the New York Giants. So they'll be playing New York for the third year in a row. And yeah. then their away games, they go to, of course, Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota, Atlanta, Carolina, Jacksonville, the Tennessee Titans, and they play the L.A. Rams in that brand new stadium. Uh, so uh, it'll be, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun things going on there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we just like we said, we 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 hope and pray that that. Uh, a uh, vaccine is found and the we break the curve and everything else we need to do to get COVID-19 under control so we can go back to a normal life, uh, starting with baseball. Mm-hmm. I think I think that the NHL season and the NBA season is gone. I don't think they're going to they're going to resume. I think they're going to cancel the entire season and the playoffs. But then you've got baseball picking up, hopefully, in July. And then, of course, the NFL starting with camps in July, uh, leading right into the preseason and the regular season. So uh, we can only hope and pray that that's the case. We're going to take a pause right now to hear from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. TickSplits.com is still in business. Uh, If you have purchased tickets from TickSplits, their policy is this. If it's a canceled event, you will get your money back. Uh, you either have the choice of getting your money back or a voucher good for 120% of the purchase price of your ticket for a future event. If the games are postponed or, or concerts are postponed, those tickets will be good for when those, those tickets, when those events are rescheduled. So make sure you hang on to those tickets. Uh, we'll be right back after a word from from Tick Splits, and then we're going to get to our history segment, the incomparable Walter Payton, when we come back. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. TickSplits.com, any ticket, any venue, anywhere, use TAILGATE as your promo code. That's all caps, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, and get 5% off your tickets. That will be good when when those uh, events start uh, 
getting back uh, on the regular schedule. So, uh, Aaron, every every week uh, we we started earlier this uh, spring talking about Bears who's had their numbers retired. We started, of course, with number three. With Bronco Nagurski, we went into George McAfee and then George Hallis and Willie Gallimore was our last topic. Uh, number 34 is next on the list, and that can only be Walter Payton, but 34 might not have been his number. So the first trivia question I'm going to throw out to you is, what number was Walter Payton originally assigned when he was a rookie in 1975? Oh, I used to know this, and I used forgot i can't remember 21 uh, the, the number was 21 and then somebody left the team and that was the number he wore at jackson state so he took that number and the rest is history that number will never ever be worn by another bears player ever um what a guy you know first round draft choice out of jackson state small black college down in mississippi um, you, he came to the Bears with a lot of fanfare, and promptly, as we all seem to, to see, uh, pretty much fell flat on his face his first game as a Bear. They played the Colts at home at Soldier Field and uh, had a whopping total of zero yards rushing. But uh, that, uh, that didn't... Um, that wasn't a, a a a look into what he would become because he became probably the greatest, you know, arguably the greatest running back to ever play the game because he was a complete back. He would he would never come out of the lineup unless, uh, of course, it was a blowout one way or the other. He ran. He blocked. He picked up blitzes. He. He ran pass patterns. He was one of the best pass pattern running you know, guys on, on the entire team. Uh, he could throw the football. He played quarterback in 1984 when they ran out of quarterbacks out of the old single wing uh, in, in a season that they ended up finishing 10 and 6 and making it all the way to the NFC title game against San Francisco. Uh, take a look at some of these numbers. He led the league in rushing four straight years in attempts in 76, 77, 78, and 79 when he carried the ball 311, 339, 333, and 369 times. And you have to remember in, in 1976 and 77, those were the last two years of a 14-game season. Yeah, and he still ran the ball for 300 in, in 39 times. 1977 was by far his best year. He had over 2,000 yards in total offense. He had 14 touchdowns rushing. He ran for 1,852 yards and single-handedly brought that team to a, a nine and five record after they started the season three and five. They won their, the, all of their last remaining games, including their last game against the Giants, which finished with a, a Bob Thomas field goal in overtime, right at the closing seconds. If they don't win that game, they didn't make the playoffs. That game was played in about two inches of sleep because 
The only way that the Giants could stop Walter Payton, they didn't cover the field. They had two inches of sleet fall the night before that game, and the and the 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 grounds crew and I don't know who generated or was responsible for it. They didn't cover the field, and you know it was just absolutely one of the most miserable conditions I've ever seen the Bears play in, but they ended up persevering. There's two games that I want to talk about in that season. Um, I think his greatest performance of maybe any game and then the game the following week, which was the flu game. So we're talking about November 13th and November 20th of 1977. They were both home games. They were three and five heading into November 13th. They were playing the Kansas City Chiefs at home. And this is uh, Ed Podolak's team. Uh, and the Bears were terrible. They were down 17 to nothing at halftime. And Walter Payton ran for 193 yards, three touchdowns. He scored a touchdown that, that put them ahead 21 to 20 with just over two minutes to go in the game. Um, Kansas City went straight down the field and scored a touchdown. And it's okay. So it's 27-21. Bears have like 40 seconds left, and they stay in two or three plays. Uh, Bob Avellini, of all quarterbacks, lost a touchdown pass to Bears tight end Greg Latta with three seconds left in the game. They kicked the extra point, and Bob Thomas had missed a couple of kicks in that game. It was a very windy day. And they win that game 28-27. to they go to the next week, which is now November 20th, against arch-rival Minnesota. And it was a kind of a wet day. It, was, it wasn't cold, but Walter Payton woke up with 104-degree fever that morning, and he was throwing up in the locker room before the game. The first play from scrimmage, he rolls off of some, something like a 40-yard run. The Bears won that game 10-7. to seven. Walter Payton ran the ball 40 times for what was at that time an all-time single-game rushing record, 275 yards, and that gave them a two-game winning streak, went on to win the rest of their, their games in 1977, got them into the playoffs for the first time since 1963, only to to have to travel to Dallas, where Dallas beat them soundly uh, in 1978. Um, something happened to the Bears that uh, nobody saw coming. The, the Bears coach from 1975 through 77 was Jack Pardee, and he abruptly left the team, and everybody was mystified as to why. And they brought in Neil Armstrong, and they missed the playoffs in in 78. I think they started the year 3-0, and but then they lost a few games, and I think they started that year 3-5. and And then that was the first year of the 16-game schedule. I believe they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. And then the following year, they made it to the playoffs again, where Walter Payton 
led his team into Philadelphia. Bears are winning in the third quarter. Walter Payton rolls off an 86-yard touchdown run. And there was a mysterious flag on the field. Brian Batchnagel got called for being illegally in motion. And he wasn't. Uh, you can go back and look at the film of that game. He was not. He was in motion at the, you know, but he was in motion. It wasn't like he had started right before the snap. He didn't break towards the the line of scrimmage, but yet th this phantom flag came out, and the Bears ended up losing that wild card game as well. But Walter Payton ended his career with 16,726 yards rushing which set the all-time record. <coughs> he, uh, in 1984, against the Saints, early in the second half, he rolled off a seven-yard run uh, to the left, which eclipsed uh, Jim Brown's record of just, uh, just over 13,000 yards. Um, and then, of course, uh, they went on to, to get all the way to the NFC Championship game that year. Uh, I had the pleasure of, of being at just about every one of Peyton's home games with the exception of his last two years when I took a transfer and I was uh, running a company down in New Orleans. And I probably missed four of his games in my entire career as a Bears fan, as a season ticket holder. And the guy just was amazing. There's no other way to, to put it um, you know, Aaron, obviously, you weren't really around during Walter Payton's career, except for maybe the very, the very end of it. Um, but what were your, what are your biggest memories of Walter Payton? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I was born in 77, so certainly I don't have any recollection of, uh, of much of, uh, that, um, you know, my first, uh, recollection of anything regarding him is 85, um, you know, he was the best player on the best team. Um, so, uh, you know, he's on the Wheaties box and, um, you know, he's, uh, there, he's, he's involved with, uh, wrestling and, I mean, he was, you know, as big as you could be as a football player at that time, me being seven, eight years old, you know, and, and, you just knew who Walter Payton was, even if you didn't know who anything about football, you didn't know anything about the bears. He was bigger than life there where he had his own shoes. He, you know, was, uh, I know there were like cartoons where Walter Payton was a character in, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. And he, he would show up in Marvel comic books, um, you know, so he was like a real life kind of like a superhero, you know, before. And this was before Jordan started to become the big star that he was, um, you know, so it, it, and I may not be, uh, you know, the timeline on this might be kind of fuzzy. But, you know, in my mind, when you think about the big stars of of the 70s and 80s, he kind of took it to another level. Um you know, with with transcending his own sport and really becoming a household name. And he was such a um, such a personality 
in terms of the marketability of him, you know, just this smile and he had this way about him and this, this, you know, this warmth and this, this great personality. Um, and then you would see him on the field and he was just this just uncaged animal on the field. Um, you know, one of the things that I think um, is, is pretty remarkable about him that I would, I would note is, you think about those first three seasons where this the the game wasn't the the season wasn't 16 games. What if he had had you know in six, 76 and 77? What if he had had four more games? You know, how what would his numbers look like? Um, what if in 82 he had gotten the chance to play nine more games and there wasn't a strike? What if he didn't play on some of the worst fields and worst surfaces of all time because during his era the the soldier field turf was horrible. That uh, that game you brought up with uh, Philly, you know, playing on the veteran stadium, the, the Giants had terrible uh, AstroTurf. And I think that shortened his career, you know, playing on, on uh, these horrible surfaces. You know, if only they knew more about, uh, you know, surfaces back then and had more technology and, and you know, um, I mean, and this is, you know, you know, the, the type of equipment that even he had back in the day was seems archaic. So you, you would think like if, if you could drop him into modern day football, you know, he would far because, you know, his, some of his records end up getting broken by Corey Dillon and Adrian Peterson and some of these people. But I, I almost don't think it's fair because, you know, they they're the way that the athletes now are allowed to sort of be an athlete. 365 days a year and and the, the the sports science and medicine that they have at their disposal is so much greater than what walter ever had that if he you know i mean he he could have even been greater which is hard to even imagine because he was so great um but yeah i mean just a guy that you know when you think about the bears you, you really it's one of the first people you think about you know you think about walter payton george hallis mike dicka and then obviously there's lots of other names, but those are the big, big three. I think that most, you know, sort of non-Bear fans or non, um, you know, even football fans would know who those people are. Um, and so he was just one of those guys, you know, that he was a star, a star off the field, a star on the field. And great guy off the field has two great had two you know great kids Brittany and Jarrett who've gone on to do really uh good things in media and Jarrett you know owns restaurants now and um it's just a great ambassador for his father and the game and and um you know uh his wife Connie right it's Connie Mm -hmm. yep, um, Connie. you know is has been an amazing ambassador for for him and and um you know, so it's just it's it's sad that he that he ended up passing, you know, when he did. And that was a huge loss for 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 the world, to be honest. Um, but his legacy is really untouchable, you know, um, you know, and the only thing you can really the only thing you could really I mean, you can't really say anything bad about him, um, to be honest. Like if you, if you do, you just sound like a kind of like a like an idiot. Um, it's a shame that some things like Dick Cazigo and certain things maybe took a little bit of uh, 
of the shine away from from his career. Um, you know, I think that's one thing I, you know, if, if there's one sort of like thing that sticks in my cross still is that he didn't get a chance to score in the in the Super Bowl and instead, you know, William Perry got got a touchdown in the Super Bowl, which some people will tell you was was uh, you're on mute. You're on mute, Mike. I was yeah, Jim, say, Jim, Jim McMahon scored from one yard out twice. Right. It's ridiculous that Peyton you know, didn't have a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And, and honestly, his touchdowns in the, his touchdowns after those first three seasons weren't probably what they should have been. I mean, you know, he wasn't he didn't score a lot of have a lot of seasons where he had double digit touchdowns. I mean, obviously he had great seasons, but um, but he ended just, up with 110 touchdowns rushing the ball. Which is crazy, and I think too is that what I think is one of the cool things about him is look up on YouTube. I'm sure people have already, but just look at the highlight package of his passing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like, unbelievable! They're they they're like you know quarterback quality <laughs> passing touchdowns. It's not just like some guy throwing the ball. I mean, and so yeah, just you could you could go on forever, and this, there's not enough superlatives in in the English language to, to really cover what he was, but you know, it's, it's one of the cool things. And I think on my other show, we often have guests on and we ask them, why are you a bear fan? And 99% of them, they're a bear fan because of the 85 bears and because of Walter Payton. I mean, that's just, you know, so that he, his career probably did more for the bears in terms of making more worldwide bear fans than anything. Uh, we had a guy that does a blog in uh, Mexico um, called uh, Fanaticosos on the other show. And he, same thing, same story. He's about, you know, he's in his 40s. Walter Payton, you know, the bears, they're huge. They were huge in Mexico City, he was telling us. How huge the bears were in Mexico City and how huge Walter Payton was in Mexico City in the 80s. So... This goes to show you. Walter Payton's football career didn't start until his junior year of high school. He didn't play football his first two years in high school because his brother Eddie played football and he kind of was more into the band. He was in the jazz band. He played the drums. When Eddie left school at the beginning of, of Walter's junior year, the head coach came to him and asked him to try out for the team. And he only wanted to play football under one condition, if he was allowed to stay in the band, to play drums. <laughs> That's awesome. True story. That's awesome. First time, first time he touches the ball is a junior in high school. He reeled off a 63-yard touchdown run. Interesting, you know. Yeah. As when when he retired, he Walter Payton held at least 31 Bears franchise records, at least most yards, uh, most rushing attempts, 3,800. Uh, most rush attempts in a season, 381 in 1984. His 40 rushes and his 275-yard game uh, was his high mark. Uh, he had 180 rushing attempts in his playoff career. 
67 rushing yards and or rushing attempts in 1985 was the most rushing attempts by a bear in the postseason. And it goes on. Most rushing yards in career, 16-7-28. Most rushing yards in a season, 18-52. Most rushing yards in a game, 275. Most rushing yards in a, the playoff career of 632. Most rushing TDs in his career, 110. Most rushing TDs in a season, 14. And a lot of people will say, well, wait a minute. Gail Sayers had 22 touchdowns in 1965, but not all of those. Those Some were passing, some were kickoff returns, and some were punt returns. So he tied uh, with Gail Sayers. Um, in, in 1965. Most rushing TDs in a playoff game, twice. Um, he did that against Philadelphia, and he tied it against Tom, Thomas Jones, tied it later on. And the list goes on and on and on. Most yards combined in, in a season, um, 2,100. Most yards combined from scrimmage in his career, 21,264 yards. He led the NFL in kickoff returns his rookie year with over a 30-yard average. And he had 1,000 rushing yards um, 10, 10 years out of, his, out of his 12 seasons, or 13 seasons. Uh, just an amazing, amazing career. Um, Walter Payton passed away on November 1st of 1999. Um, he had developed a uh, liver disease, um, and he was he he was on television about nine months before he died. They did an interview, and that really led to an influx of of organ donors in the state of Illinois, uh, because it really highlighted the need for organ donation uh, back in in the. Uh, uh, early or late 90s. Um, sadly, he ended up developing cancer in his liver, which then made him ineligible for a donor, uh, for, for a liver transplant. <clears throat> and he passed away at his home uh, on a street call, aptly called Peyton's Run in South Barrington uh, with his family by his side on, on November 1st of 1999. Uh, one of the most surreal things I've ever seen is when you look at the um, memorial service. He, Walter was cremated. Uh, they had a memorial service, and Eddie Payton talked, and a couple other guys talked. And, and one of the most memorable um, guys to speak was Dan Hampton. And he says, you know, he was talking about his daughter, and when his daughter was old enough to ask him about football, he was going to tell him. But the first person he was going to tell her about was Walter Payton. And he just broke up. And here's this behemoth of a man breaking down, talking about Walter Payton. Um, Walter Payton, his ashes were in that, that. I don't know if you knew this, but the the dais, the where they were talking on the field. Walt, the urn carrying Walter Payton's ashes was uh, was under the dais where they were talking. So he was there, even though most people don't realize that he was. <clears throat> I don't know where his ashes are buried, to be honest with you. But um, 
um, we can we can sit here and talk for another hour about what Walter Payton meant to the league, to the team, uh, to his family, uh, and and everything else uh, that Walter brought to this city, what he gave back to his college, uh, and in I mean we could sit here and talk for another hour, but um, I hope our listeners get a good feel. Uh, for what Walter Payton was, um, if he would have had the type of offensive line that Emmett Smith had for most of his career, if he would have been able to play um, 16 games um, in in four of those years, because he didn't play 16 games in 75, 76, or 77, and then uh, they missed. They only played nine games, I think, in '82, and they only played 14 games, I think, in in '87 or '88 when they had the walkout and the the uh, they played with the Scabs. Sean Payton was a quarterback for the Bears back in those days when they had replacement players, when they had a strike back in the late '80s. So that's you know several more games that. He probably his his single season record <clears throat> would have been well over 2,100 yards. I'm sure of it. So that record would still be standing today. That's how good and and you got to remember in 1977 for the the listeners and you know all of our listeners that are in their 20s and 30s. The Bears didn't have an offense. But the defense couldn't stop Walter Payton regardless. That's how good this guy was. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I can't, I could literally add, we could talk for another hour and we could add more things. But I think you guys understand um, how Walter Payton affected my life as a Bears fan. Um, and I'm, I'll be 63 years old here in a couple of weeks. And I had the pleasure of sitting in the stands and watched almost every single one of his home games for up until the last two years of his career. So uh, just an absolute pleasure to, to watch him play. And uh, I can only hope that the, the bears will be back to their 19 or their 2018 form in 2020. And uh, next week, uh, if God willing, we're back on the air recording another episode. We get to talk about another legendary running back, none other than Gail Sayers. So, um, Aaron, thanks for uh, being my partner. Thanks for listening in, everybody. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Halitech Hall Show. Yes, sir. Have a great week. Stay safe and uh, stay home if you can, please. And there's lots of uh, lots of old footage of things to watch. They're replaying lots of old games on all these channels. Um, so, you know, it could be a, a blessing in disguise for people to, to look back on some, some history and learn about some things that they might not otherwise have. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, please uh, enjoy your week and your time. We appreciate it.